pass over to Nugent Hopkins. Side of the net. What timer score? And there it is. Leon Dreisaitl has become the Edmonton Oilers franchise all-time leader in power play goals. 127. Jordan Greenway. On the move. His Cousins creates space. Shoots. Score! by Kane and now McDavid what a spin the recovery the shot to score Connor McDavid it's not real sports radio is back in the Edmonton area this is sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius show Here we go, Saul, 32 for October 19th. Uh, another great day in the capital region. Uh, man, it was a nice drive coming in, 8 degrees. Going to be about a high of 1920, just like yesterday. But uh, exceptional fall weather for sure. The Oilers out on the East Coast in Philadelphia tonight to take on the Flyers, both teams with 1-2 and two records. The Oilers defeated Nashville by a score of 6-1 to one on Tuesday. And actually, Vancouver was in Philadelphia on Tuesday after the two wins over the Oilers. And uh, the Flyers shut out. The Canucks, 2-0. Carter Hart, 25 saves. So, uh, should be a good one tonight. Uh, we'll see who starts in net for the Oilers. Uh, if it is a scripted plan by head coach Jay Woodcroft, uh, as he may have addressed the team at the start of the season and his goaltending situation, um, it would have been maybe like a 1-1-1-1 to start. Uh, so, we maybe will see Stuart Skinner. You know, Stuart Skinner and uh, Carter Hart battled uh, last year head-to-head in a game. So maybe we'll see it again. Uh, hey, did you know that uh, the four goals in the first period by the Oilers uh, the other night in Nashville, that's uh, the most they've had in the first period since 1985 in one period of play. Uh, well, we've got another jam-packed show tonight. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, probably three weeks ago, we had on um, uh, Eric Lowe from ESPN. He's the um, senior manager of acquisitions and um, um, programming for ESPN. So anyway, he was talking about how many Oiler games are going to be on ESPN this year, and tonight is one of those games. It's an ESPN Plus game, and uh, John Butchicross will be doing the call. Uh, and John will join us at uh, 7.20 to discuss uh, the Oilers being on uh, ESPN because, uh, you know, in the last... Two years since ESPN came back on board, um, haven't been able to really do a lot of Oiler games. They never, it wasn't on the schedule. They they scheduled the Chicago and uh, New York Ranger games and all the Philadelphia Buffalo. They wanted the American teams. But I think they said, we got the two best players in the league here. Why are we not showcasing them? So we'll discuss that with uh, John uh, Butchigross from ESPN at uh, 7.20. Um, text line is open, one 401 1440. Um, <laughs> Bud Baker, right off the hop. My old pal, Buddy Baker. Uh, and yesterday we were talking about uh, the old Scorpion save by Jack Campbell that he made in the uh, second period the other night on Gustav Nyquist. 
And we were saying, like, hey, man, can we get some other name for that instead of the scorpion save? Buddy Baker comes in. Hey, Kevin, my man, only thing I could think of that could relate to that scorpion save, the Colombian kudos to the Colombian soccer goalie who did the scorpion. I'm going to have to check that one out, bud, but thanks uh, for your text this morning. one 401 1440 is our uh, text line. Uh, the Duke of Delburn, big night for the Duke last night, Wednesday night. Uh, you call it rec hockey or beer league hockey? I call it beer league hockey. Some some guys try and, uh, I don't know, validate themselves and call it men's league, which, okay. I mean, that is... Are you? Act. Is it in men's league? It is in men's league, but what it, it's division? beer league hockey. What I di- think we're in Div 6. Oh, okay. I think so. We're, we're an okay team, far from, you know, the top of the, okay. the, the cream rising to the top, but uh, it's competitive enough hockey and gets me out uh, out and doing something. Uh, usually it kind of averages your, out to about once a week. What's your team name? The Tropics. Shout out the tropics <laughs> for what? Why the tropics? Uh, here's a here's a. I get to throw this back at you. Have you not seen Semi Pro? Yeah, with Will Ferrell. Okay, yeah, yeah, the tropics. Yeah, okay, there. Okay. So we got some uh, some nice Miami Vice type jerseys <laughs> oh, and stuff with the palm cool. tree hockey stick logo, kind of Florida Panthers okay. shoulder esque. Nice, very nice. Um, hey, you know what? The other thing I was looking at uh, today that we're probably going to end up doing about oh, I'd say fifty percent of. Uh, uh, low tides uh, research and prep work today because today was uh, what they call Blue Monday back in the day. Do you remember Blue Monday, Duke? Can you I do- always thought Blue Monday was like after the, no, ho- no. Like after the holiday season. Blue Monday was in 1981 when uh, Rick Monday hit a home run off of Steve Rogers in the ninth inning to give the Dodgers uh, the series win over the Montreal Expos. And uh, if you've ever listened to Low Tide over the years, you've known that that was just a heartbreaking day uh, for Low Tide. Uh, the other thing, and sadly, uh, Burt Young passed away uh, overnight or late last night. Uh, and remember, Low Tide had Carl Weathers on uh, about three weeks ago or so. Carl Weathers, of course, was Apollo Creed in Rocky, uh, the Rocky uh, series and movies and stuff like that. So uh, Burt Young was Polly, and also Burt Young was in Back to School, Duke. Did you know that? I think you already know that I oh. did not, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was in Back to School. Uh, so Burt Young passed. So we're, yeah, we're doing all of uh, Low Tide's research and development and uh, Freddy Krueger as well, so he'll be just going hey let's just take a little bit of those segments from uh the morning show uh for sure um another you know the the champs are the champs until they're not the champs and that's uh the houston astros came back uh, last night with a big win in texas uh houston the astros have won 17 to 20 on the road um you know these guys i mean jordan alvarez is just a, an absolute machine at the plate right now had a home run robbed he was just totally robbed that is a real home run rob job uh leody torvera's last night texas uh, rangers in center field just an amazing catch that thing was over the wall by a good two feet and he went over it and just made a massive massive uh catch uh but still houston came out on top uh, um uh, Alvarez had a, a big kind of a looping single to left center that scored a couple of big runs. And how about Jose Altuve? What can you say? Um, I mean, this is an amazing uh, 
And like, I mean, everyone, most people don't like Jose Altuve because of what happened with the Astros cheating scandal. But 25 home runs now, he's just four back of uh, Manny Ramirez for the all-time lead in Major League postseason history for home runs. That's that's an amazing accomplishment uh, for sure. Text coming in, um, Norman, a combine. Yeah, it was an awesome catch. Uh, and, of course, Norm's the big uh, Astros fan. Uh, Ranting Rob wants to know, hey, Kevin, is... Laddie in this week. Uh, Ranting Rob said Vladdy. Maybe we're getting Vladdy Guerrero, are we? Duke, is Vladdy Guerrero coming on this week? I did not book that. We got got a packed show today, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. not amongst the guests. Maybe I'll reach out and see what he's doing tomorrow. Well, you got to get his translator too. But, you know, there's an... He... His English is okay. He could probably get by and he could make... He does the commercials... Everything's fine when he's doing the commercials and he does some things, you know, at the All-Star game. You saw that, a couple interviews there. If he would just take that step, he could make a fortune in endorsements and things like that. Um, Text coming in. Yes, El Tuvi hit some good balls last night. The bats were alive. Yes, they were. I mean, and I mean, Christian Javier was great. Again, he's proven that he's one of the elite postseason pitchers in the last little while. Max Scherzer, you can you could tell he was rusty. Uh, not at a hundred percent. There's no there's no question about that. But now two one Texas leads, uh, which uh, you know I mean Houston can come back and win this. There's no question they can. They have they have the depth. They have the hitting. Uh, they've got the experience. But we'll see what happens in game number. For tonight, this afternoon is game number three between Philadelphia and Arizona. And we will check in with Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. That's coming up at 940 to uh, discuss uh, both games, I guess, of uh, the NLCS and the ALCS. But anyway, getting back to ranting Rob, uh, Vladdy is not in, but Laddie is in, our uh, co-host on Thursdays from uh, 8 to 10. Ladislav Schmid will join us uh, in studio as he does Every Thursday, Mark Spector is on the road again with the Oilers, as he is all the time. Uh, Speck uh, will uh, make his daily 8 a.m. appearance for On the Mark for Booster Juice at 8 o'clock from Philadelphia as the Oilers take on the Flyers tonight. And, uh, well, I mean, Frank Saravalli. So, I mean, can you beat what Frank's been doing? So he'll be in Philadelphia. So uh, we're going to go back to back in Philly. Spector, Saravalli. Uh, for our Mr. Reuter headliner of the day as uh, Sarah Volley checks in, I assume from Philadelphia. I don't know why he would want to leave what's going on in that city right now. Uh, we're we're going to go pretty heavy on this uh, Oilers-Flyers matchup. So uh, Kevin Kurz from The Athletic uh, will check in from Philly. Man, we're going, it's a triple header of Philadelphians, if you want to call it that. Uh we haven't talked a whole lot of NFL this week so far, but we will today at uh, 10 o'clock. Rod Walker from the uh, Times-Picayune uh, covers the uh, New Orleans Saints, uh, and he'll join us at 10 o'clock. At 10.20, so the last time that we did not say that Lori Eisler was coaching the University of Alberta Pandas volleyball team was 1990. Duke, what year were you born? 1995. <laughs> okay. 1991, Lori Eisler took over the University of Alberta Pandas volleyball team, coached them up until last year. An amazing, like you can't even fathom the run that, that she had because it's it's not comparable. I mean, she passed Claire Drake for wins all time in the school history. 
Um, but now Carolyn O'Dwyer has taken over uh, the Pandas as head coach. Uh, Lori's kind of moved up into a management uh, position. So, I mean, I don't even know what you could say about Lori Eisler, but it's a new page. Uh, Lori Eisler won five, no, six national championships, was coach of the year three times, uh, too many Canada West championships to count, uh, coached internationally, uh, things like that. But now... This is Carolyn O'Dwyer's team. Um, it's interesting to see how you put a, you know, your fingerprint on a team after coming into a situation where you had a coach for such a, a long, long time. So looking forward to that. And uh, the Pandas get underway this weekend against uh, Thompson Rivers as a uh, conference play uh, begins in Canada West action. Uh, John Butchergrass will join us at 720 now. ESPN left the NHL in 2004 was the last year. And since then, it has stunted the growth. It stunted the growth for almost, I guess, 17 years, you could call it, in the United States. Um, They left in 2004. That was the last year. 2005 was the the lockout. And then 2006 is when the Oilers went to the, the cup run. So there was such a division between ESPN and the NHL you could you could barely find any highlights on ESPN for many 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 years. But now ESPN's back in the game. Um, interesting to see what uh, John Butchergrass has to say about that. He's calling the game tonight, and I, I tried to find some stuff last night when we knew we were having him on, and even earlier in the week. How many games has John Butchergrass called that Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl have played? Top two players on the planet. But now. As we said, uh, when we had Eric Lowe on from uh, ESPN, uh, their goal was to showcase the top players, not necessarily the top teams, to try to grow the game. And uh, there's a lot of people in the United States that have never seen Connor McDavid play on TV just because the availability hasn't been there. Uh, This year, the Oilers have... 13 games, I believe, on ESPN and Hulu and ESPN Plus and things like that. So it's a different situation where fans can um, see the top players in the game uh, on a more of a frequent basis. Uh, So John Buchegras is calling that game uh, tonight in Philadelphia. Text line is open, 1-833-401-1440. Steer Farmer with his annual or uh, morning check-in. Go Oilers, go. Have a great show and uh, day, boys. And uh, yes, uh, Vladislav. Not, I mean, we got to get ranting Rob off the Vs, man. Uh, Vladislav Schmid will join us from 8 to 10. Um, so, Duke, you scored a goal last night. Is that, is that, is that correct? It's true. Oh. I, uh, I'm, I'm more known for my defensive metrics out there uh, patrolling the blue line, but it is beer league after all, so... Sometimes you gotta you gotta jump up in the rush and and contribute any way you can for the boys. Uh, I actually started the season with a nice little point streak in my first few games that I missed a couple in a row. Then we had Thanksgiving, and this was our second game this week. We played Sunday night and again tonight. Um, mm. Sunday I was terrible, uh, maybe the worst player on the ice. Uh, last night not much better, but able to get on the score sheet a couple times. So. Do you have to do every uh, Thursday night football game? There's not you can't take one off. To I think there's a CFCW Critters game coming up that we got to play. I yeah I I wish, although the Critters probably would rather not have me. 
um, because of uh, the liability that I provide. But yeah, unfortunately, I am uh, I am booked up Thursday nights for the foreseeable future, heading into uh, well mean, into December anyway. I, I just picture you on the ice, like it's just watching an episode of Shorzy out there. I just that's all I see. It's not uh, not too too far off, but I'm one of the uh, the worst players. I'm not Terry Ryan or, uh, or Jared Kiso out there. I'm I'm one of the extras in the background that can hardly skate. You know, I think that uh, Jared Kiso they had a movie on Don Cherry. Did you mm-hmm. ever see that one? Yeah, he played Don Cherry in that yeah. movie. Yeah, another good one. Very talented guy, Jared Kiso. Well, I mean, just think if a guy could have got you know a little more acting ability, Duke, you could have been you could have been in the in Shorzy. I could it could have been might me. Still be you could be you know maybe. Yeah, I just need Tr to pull some strings for me. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, coming up on the Gregor show later today, so I'll maybe hang around see if I can hop in on the video call and just ask him when they start filming season three. Give me a give me a ring. I'll okay. be an extra. I'll, I, okay, and I, I'm going to work on that too. Maybe they need an old like an old Reggie Dunlop type player yeah. to come back. I'll, I'll maybe ask Tr about that. You and that. I can take a little trip to Sudbury. Yeah, and do some why break not? Breakthrough in the showbiz. Why not? Uh, when we come back. John Butchergrass from ESPN, the NHL on ESPN, and calling the game tonight between the Flyers and uh, the Edmonton Oilers. He uh, guests with us on Sports 1440 right after the break. And we are back on the big program, Sports 1440. Just awaiting John Butchergrass from the NHL on ESPN to dial in. Oilers in Philadelphia tonight could be um, a couple of local products in net if... You know, Jay Woodcroft kind of goes as planned with the scripted goaltender plan. Um, Jack Campbell starts game one. Stuart Skinner starts game two. Jack Campbell starts game three. And Stuart Skinner starts game four. Uh, If you're keeping track and keeping score, uh, we touched on it off the top. Stuart Skinner and um, Carter Hart, who will likely start, I would imagine, after a 2-0 shutout uh, Tuesday night against Vancouver, uh, went head-to-head last year in... uh, Philadelphia at uh, Wells Fargo Arena. It was a 2-1 victory in a shootout for the Flyers. And uh, these two guys go back a long way, man. I mean, uh, they started playing against each other uh, well over 10 years ago. Uh, Stuart Skinner was playing for the Southside Athletic Club. Uh, We talked about that team, the great team that they had under coach Tyler Harnett. uh, Taylor Harnett and... uh, yeah, I mean, they they steamrolled a lot of teams back then. Uh, but man, uh, that was the that was when bantam hockey back then, or under fifteen, whatever you want to call it. You had Sam Steele out there. You had Carter Hart was playing in Sherwood Park on the South Side team. You had Tyler Benson. You had Stuart Skinner. Matt Berlin was playing goal as well. Uh, that was when you went down to Bill Hunter Arena. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, that kind of hockey. But those two guys that maybe we'll see again tonight going head-to-head in goal. Uh, so Stuart Skinner played for the Southside Athletic Lions for uh, three years in the under-15, then went on to play a little bit uh, in the under-17 or whatever you want to call it uh, before he went on to the uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes. And Carter Hart was same kind of story. Uh, played a little bit in Fort Saskatchewan and then moved on to uh, play in Sherwood Park uh, for the Flyers before he went on to play uh, in the Western League uh, and the uh, Everett Silver Tips. So maybe we will see a, a, a local head-to-head uh, matchup in goal again like we did last year. Uh, wanted to mention, Connor McDavid picked up an assist the other night, his 550th in his career. He's the fifth fastest in NHL history to reach that mark. It's pretty impressive. Uh, 
McDavid will likely be on that same line with uh, Evander Kane and uh, Leon Dreisaitl again tonight. But uh, the big line that was uh, the most prominent uh, in uh, Nashville on Tuesday, without a doubt, was Warren Fogle and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and uh, Evander Kane. That troika put up nine points uh, against the Predators and would imagine that those three will be together once again today. Uh, we were mentioning about ESPN getting back in the, the game, I guess, so to speak, when you when it comes to NHL hockey. Um, and, I get, and if you travel to the United States for any period of time and checked into a hotel or, or whatever, went to a hotel bar, even wanted to go, I don't know, to a bar or a sports bar, it was tough to find an NHL game. It, it just... They never had them on in the hotel. Was never on any of the the packages that, that you would have on uh, your cable in the hotel. The highlights were few and far between to find any hockey. Just couldn't find it. Um, that was in two thousand four. There was a rift between the between the NHL and ESPN. There's no question about it. Um, Gary Bettman, out of all the things you might dislike about what Gary Bettman is and what he's done in the um, NHL, um, that's probably the biggest disappointment in my mind is because he never was able to foster a relationship for, I don't know, 16 years, I guess, between the NHL and ESPN. It stunted the growth of hockey in the United States. There was no way people could see the game on a nightly basis. And then what ESPN did kind of just said, the hell with you. We don't, we don't care about the NHL. We don't have the rights. We don't. We don't want to. We don't have to show highlights. It was so far down on the totem pole that people lost interest. They lost a half a generation of hockey fans because there was no ESPN involvement in the NHL. Text line open one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. As we await John Butchicross, uh, honest Andy says uh, uh, Rocky. Rocky two, three, four, five, Rocky Balboa. Um, and I guess he'd be talking about Burt Young. Duke, uh, did you see every Rocky? No, not every Rocky. The the first three. That's it? Yeah. Well, you yeah. got to see Rocky four. Okay. Rocky fours uh, when he goes with Ivan Drago, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got one and two and then Mr. T's and three. You love Mr. T. The A team. <laughs> well, yes, the A team, yes, but also, also, uh, also in Rocky Three. Also, also yes. in Rocky Three. Clubber uh, Lang. Uh, yeah, great name. Um, the, but I, mo- I have a problem with series of films and Rocky. I mean, you know, you milk that cow until uh, it's ready to go down to the old glue factory. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think you can call things quits when they still have the entirety of their integrity intact. So you think Rocky Two is the end of the line? No, no, I'm not saying that. But uh, but I think whatever the six total films that exist, um, and then even if I mean I, the new Creed films are great with uh, yeah. Michael B. Jordan as well. But even those I think are onto the third one now too. Like why? Like why do you have to keep stretching things out just for the sake <laughs> of stretching them out? I, well, but Burgess Meredith, let's be honest, one of the top actors in the of his generation. I mean, in grumpy old men or grumpier old men, I mean, you can't get better than that. If, if you <laughs> I'm say, throwing, if throwing you stuff so. way over your head, Duke. It's hilarious. Uh, 
but yeah, Burt Young passed away. In case you didn't hear, um, all the Rocky movies, he was in uh, Back to School as uh, I guess the bodyguard. I guess you could say of Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, we're just awaiting a uh, John Buchicross uh, from the NHL on ESPN. Um, <laughs> no Rocky Four to the Duke. That's the best one. That comes uh, from Canmore. Uh, well, I don't know if it's Canmore, but it's coming in anyway. Uh, that was the best. He goes, you know, he's on top of the mountain. Drago. The big, that was the steroid era, you know. Man, Duke is just losing out on. He hasn't. He hasn't even seen the replacements yet. It's a long queue I've built up now. At this point, now I have to add all so you the, got the repla- remainder of the Rocky. No, movies just Rock. Go Rocky Four. Go replacements first, and then you got to see. I thought Back to School was first. That's two because we started with the replacements. But Back to School, I will bet you will laugh your arse off on Back to School. I believe it. Yeah, love Dangerfield. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know. John Buchicross, uh, we're just awaiting the NHL on ESPN as um, the Oilers take on the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Uh, game number two of this little uh, road trip, a very quick one, uh, very quick one. The Oilers are back home on Saturday night uh, with Winnipeg at Rogers Place. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Don't sleep on Rocky Balboa. Solid entry in the series. I don't see that happening. I don't know. I I mean I'm. I'm done at four as well, but, you know, that comes from Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. We're just going to go to four. Duke says he's done at three. Sometimes you got to give the Duke a little credit. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. one 401 Also today, yeah, we were talking about uh, Blue Monday being today. Today also, Rocket Richard scored his... 500th NHL goal, which was uh, an amazing feat. And, you know, everyone says, like, Rocket Richard was, you know, big, powerful guy. Well, Rocket Richard wasn't that big of a guy. He was only about five foot ten, maybe 175, 180 pounds. But the difference between Rocket Richard and a lot of other guys, well, he was, he was a, maybe a tad bigger for his era, but Rocket Richard also... Um, no one went harder to the, to the net in that era. I mean, he was an, an absolute beast. He makes uh, made Sam Lafferty's move the other other night look like nothing against uh, the Oilers. Uh, Five hundred goals today for Rocket Richard, and also Bobby Orr made his debut in the NHL. If you can believe that, Duke, are you fired up about that? I, I believe it. It's it's crazy that all these things align on the ah. uh, the same day. Uh, the same day with all the Rocky movies. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, so Rocky single-handedly ends the Cold War in Rocky IV. Single-handedly. Yes, that is, because uh, obviously I'm familiar with the plot of Rocky IV. I just haven't seen it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, good for Rocky. Um, ending, uh, you know, decades of tension. Oh, I mean. Just by, you could uh, see it. in one, in one you know swift bout. In, the, in that Rocky IV movie, the guy that played uh, Mikhail Gorbachev was just a, a dead ringer for him. Just yeah, where at, do they find guys like that? Well, or is it, Russia. Is it, a, is it a lot of it? Um, Russia. Hollywood magic, like with uh, some maybe makeup. Some, and, maybe some special effects. Well, how many special effects were there at that point? Like there's no there's no CGI <laughs> or whatever like you have now where the movies, no movies are even real anymore. Everything's just shot in front of a green screen. Oh, Duke, we got to get you some culture, man. We got to get you out there. We're going to, we'll figure it out. 
We're going to get you on that program, Farming for Love, and we're going to just take it from there. And it's just, you know, you're going to end up after the, after that, you're going to be coming to work in a tuxedo and it's just going to be unbelievable. Well, I don't think that the, the tuxedo thing's not going to happen. But if you're looking to get me cultured, <laughs> I don't think putting me on Farming for Love is exactly the way well, to do it. You so. know what? I've sort of set a target on your back, back now, uh, Duke. This and comes, now everybody's coming uh, after from me. From Matt and LaDuke. I always thought Duke's movie experience was really rocky. Turns out it's only a little rocky. Nice. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, we're going to work on, uh, you know what, we'll probably take a break, I think, and then maybe work on uh, John Buchigras. But we, we've got a couple minutes. We'll give him a couple minutes. But um, he's probably taking in, well, the morning skate is not even happening yet in Philadelphia. But um, hopefully we can get to uh, John because we really wanted to talk to him about uh, this uh, matchup tonight. Philadelphia and the Oilers. So maybe we'll take a quick break and get John on the other side of the of the horn. So uh, when we come back, I think we're going to hook up with John Butchergrass, NHL on ESPN, on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the Road Ready sales event, you can save up to 25% on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until October 21st. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in John Buchegras from the NHL on ESPN. And good morning, John, from Philadelphia. How are things uh, in Philly? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Looking forward to uh, tonight's game here. The city is obviously on fire with the baseball. Um, they'll be playing our local time about 5 o'clock here in Arizona, which is nice. And then the hockey game is on 7.30 local. So, But right now it's 53 and sunny in Philly and uh, fired up for tonight's game. Yeah, we all are. So I was trying to find, John, how many times uh, have you been able to call a game with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? I know ESPN's just back in the, the NHL game for a couple of years now, but uh, it was kind of hard to find. Uh, is How many games have you done with Connor and Leon uh, doing play-by-play? Yeah, I've been lucky. You know, this is the year three. Year one, uh, I did a game in Buffalo. In fact, you know, we were kind of staying away from the Edmonton and Toronto and Canadian markets on ESPN+. Plus. And we only had the one game scheduled in Buffalo, and Ryan Callahan and I went and did that game, and it was the highest-viewed event on ESPN Plus like that month. They were like, oh, hockey fans will find Connor McDavid. Maybe we should show him more. So we, mm-hmm. we added games very quickly. And then last year, actually, I did a couple playoff games there against the Kings. Um, in a, in, again, I, I did one against the Kings and then one against Vegas as well in Edmonton. So I mm-hmm. love that arena. It's a nicest state-of-the-artist arena there is in the NHL. So, yeah, I've been lucky. I've probably done four or five McDavid dry saddle games. Well, it's a treat every time you get to do it, for sure. Uh, we're guesting with yes, John. Yeah, we're guesting with John Butchercross, uh, NHL on ESPN. You know, John, we had Eric Lowe on uh, from ESPN. He's a uh, senior manager for um, acquisitions and programming. Um, he said to us about three weeks ago that it was a, a conscious effort to make sure that the Oilers were on ESPN schedule as many times as they could this year. As you know, it's on, you know, the Oilers are on a number of times. Uh, how much of a kind of a, not a coup, I guess is the wrong word, but that kind of uh, marriage and the ability to show and showcase these two players has to just be, uh, you know, like a, a real feather in the cap for ESPN moving forward. Yeah, like I said, it was the old model before. We just don't really show Canadian teams because their ratings don't count. Um, you know, you can't use them when, when the rating book comes out for mm-hmm. these games. And But again, they realize, especially streaming, is that young people will find the game and they'll watch the game, especially those who get the NHL 
you know, power play, we call it, on ESPN+. Plus. If you get ESPN+, Plus, you get every NHL game anyways. Not extras. It's part of the package. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, people will find those. And they the, you know, the higher stream games are McDavid and Matthews. And it doesn't really matter where they play. Now, you know, the regular linear TV, it still affects your rating. But streams, the hockey fans going to watch, you know, McDavid and and they're going to get fine numbers. So, yeah, it's nice that they saw that, they realized that. And so we show, you know, many more games between, um, you know, with McDavid and Matthews. I'm sure you saw uh, Connor McDavid's goal Tuesday night in uh, Nashville. Uh, what did you think of that one? Yeah, like I tweeted at the time, ESPN, uh, our sports center, Twitter feed tweeted it, and I basically, you know, quote tweeted saying I, I've really never seen a goal like that where a guy's going full speed through the neutral zone, falls on his on his knee pads as a 360, and turns around, oh, look, there's the puck. And in one continuous motion, picks it up, and then goes in, of course, and puts it off the post and in. So it's one thing that I've always said on SportsCenter in America, we should have like an almost top 10 NHL goals because there's so many amazing plays like that. But if that shot was shot wide or Soros were, were to have made the save, it probably wouldn't have been a highlight. Mm-hmm. But it was such a cool athletic moment. So there's, that happens a lot in hockey. So it's great that Connor could pay it off with a goal after that amazing athleticism, some good luck and good fortune, and just an overall really cool-looking piece of video. Like I said, that's unique. You know, it's nice to see something different. For sure. John Butchergrass, NHL on ESPN, is our guest on Sports uh, 1440. So what do you make of uh, uh, tonight's tilt? The Flyers are kind of in a, a rebuilding mode. The Oilers off to a slow start. Just a, a general broad brush on tonight's game. Yeah, you know, the Oilers obviously, you know, one and two. Uh, they were one and two after three games last year. And then they, you know, they got hot. They were seven and three after ten and went on, of course, to get 109 points. So, a good win in uh, in Nashville. They had an optional practice yesterday. I think five players skated, so they feel okay. Yeah. Um, you know, they, obviously the bottom six hasn't scored a goal yet. That's a concern. Um, the power play, which was the best ever last year, thirty-two percent off to a good start. Uh, get Ekholm back. Remember last year they were eighteen two and one with him after they got him March the first. So to to have him now continuously, it'd be very curious to see what their first twenty games are this year with him after finishing so well last year. And uh, yeah, Philadelphia is in a complete rebuilding mode. They want to be terrible again this year. They want to get another top three pick. Um, and they should probably get there. Uh, they're off to a good start, but they were last year as well. That you know, last year with John Tortorella uh, at the helm, you know, the Flyers they got off to a good start, but they're not a good offensive team. Just eight goals in three games, so it's obviously a very good matchup uh, for the Oilers. And you know, I imagine some point that the Flyers will start trading some of their key guys. That's one way to tank is get rid of the good players. And Travis Konechny will probably be the most valuable one, a guy they could probably get a first round pick. I mean, that's a guy like the Oilers would love. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of teams that would love a Travis Konechny, you know. And so he will be available. And then you know, Couturier contracts too big; they won't be able to move that without eating a ton of it. Um, but you know, Lot would be a valuable guy. They might keep him though for the long haul. So uh, Carter Hart, his contract is up. It's He's a, it's a hard contract to figure because he really hasn't you know, hasn't really hit his stride yet. Although he's played well, and um, I expect him to play tonight. So uh, it's going to be a fun matchup. Campbell and Hart both had good games on Tuesday. I assume they would both be in there again tonight. 
Well, we were talking about that. Uh, if there's a scripted plan, I think that, you know, he might go back to Stuart Skinner as well, Jay Woodcroft. There's a, you know, he might have communicated. We, we addressed this yesterday. And even though that Jack Campbell did have a big game, he might have said, we're going to split the first four and that's how we're going to go. So we'll see what happens at the morning skate today as we guest with uh, John Butchercross, NHL on ESPN. So the Bucci overtime challenge was you, 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 you came up with this uh, about a dozen years ago. It took off. It's taken off even more. How uh, could you ever imagine that down the road that you'd be raising money for charity and things like that? I mean, you've got to be pretty proud of just how a little uh, hashtag kind of turned into a you know a, a North American and if not a worldwide sensation. <laughs> yeah, that might be a little strong terminology, <laughs> but I thank you. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's just a silly little thing I threw up there one day. It was an old game we used to play when we first had hockey at ESPN in the late 90s. And, you know, our show was on NHL Tonight after the playoff game was on ESPN, too. And so if a game went to overtime, I was like, oh, boy, we have no idea when this show is going to start. Mm-hmm. It could be midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. And so to kill the time, we all, hey, let's pick a guy on each team to score the winner. We'll throw a dollar on the set. If your guy <laughs> scores, take the other two bucks, and then we'll start the show. Because, you know, as soon as the goal is scored, we know the show is going to start in 60 seconds. So then once you the show, we lost hockey in 2004. Twitter came along in 2009. I think I joined in 2011. And um, I was like, oh, I used to play that game. I was just kind of by myself. And I said, I'll throw that up there. Just like, hey, pick a player in each team and I'll retweet you. Mm-hmm. That was big currency when Twitter started. Yeah. And, and I just used the clunky hashtag Bucci Overtime Challenge. Probably wouldn't have used that if I had a focus group. But <laughs> maybe that's part of the charm. It's very literal. It's long. It's clunky. And and this, I couldn't believe how quickly it took off. And I said, Dude, maybe I'll make some T-shirts and we'll give them away <laughs> to like 10 of the winners. And then the other people can buy them off this GoDaddy website. I got to throw together somehow. I don't know what I'm doing. And it just has grown. And then I started college hockey, which once I started doing the Frozen Four and a national championship of NCAA hockey, I started college hockey. And between those hats and T-shirts and coasters, I've sold over a million dollars worth wow. of merchandise just out of my house by myself because of Twitter and these two silly hashtags. And yeah, likely I've given away over a quarter of a million dollars to charity because that's what I said I was going to do at the beginning. I wish I would have said I'm going to pay off my mortgage with these t-shirt <laughs> sales, but I didn't. So, so, so we give a lot of money to hockey-related charities, um, you know, whether it's a player who has a foundation or the RPI women won the third jersey and they started a GoFundMe and I said, I'll pay for them. Pay, you know, 2500 bucks, they get third jerseys. So it's just fun to kind of be that mm-hmm. generous and write these size checks that normally I couldn't afford to write. It's it's an amazing how the wave that it's created as we're uh, guesting with John Butchercross on the Kevin Carey show on uh, Sports fourteen forty. Um, just uh, when you just mentioned the, the women's hockey team, can you kind of speak to the other um, uh, avenues that uh, you've been able to reach with uh, such a uh, an initiative like this? Yeah, like uh, I don't know if you remember Nick Felino had a tough time. I believe it was his first child when he was in Columbus, and she had some issues. Had to had to get some uh, you know some scary times at the Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, and obviously Nick's a great guy, and it just kind of caught my attention. So I gave ten thousand dollars to the Nationwide Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Again, the the sales were going good. There was a lot of money in the bank account from these hats and T-shirts and coasters and golf ball markers and tank tops and whatever I would put golf towels. You know, I'd throw the logo on and and sell the stuff and have a nice, very loyal little fan base. And um, 
if I put something new up there, they tend to buy it. And I said, oh, that's so I, that's, so I kind of re- read and react. And mm-hmm. just, some high school team is putting new hockey boards up. Oh, I'll make a little contribution to their locker room or their boards. Or like I said, it could be a cancer foundation. could be uniforms. Um, I paid one day for like learn to skate program in Connecticut for 60 people who showed up to have their four-year-old learn to skate. I paid for all their learn to skate, you know, the, the helmet, the little skates and like 50 bucks a person. So things like that. It's just fun to be. I just love hockey. There's some people who are NHL fans. You know, I'm a hockey fan from youth hockey to high school and prep like my kids played, obviously covering college hockey for 10 years, the NHL, which is the ultimate, women's hockey, and even sled hockey. I did an initiative with sled hockey for a couple of years in the state. So it's. Uh, I just love the sport and everything and the culture of it and everything about it. It's just really, it's made my boys better, I think. It's made my family better. It's made my life better. Well, I mean, and the game's better that you're in it and doing stuff like this uh, good on you for it uh, you did touch on golf there and that's one subject I wanted to it's another passion of yours uh, do you are you able to get out uh, as much as you like and how many tournaments do you do and I'm sure you probably uh, as you mentioned you, you do the uh, Bucci overtime challenge and you involve that in some charity tournaments and things like that yeah, obviously I'll sponsor a hole and things like that, which is nice. I'm not as good as I used to be. I used to be a pretty good player around a one or two handicap, and I would compete like in state events and U.S. Open qualifiers and mm. things like that, which was fun to, as a as a decent high school athlete to kind of go out there and compete. And I'm not quite there anymore, but I love to play. My boys are both good players. One's actually trying to play pro golf, just finished college. He's going to give it a shot for a couple of years. And the other one's an assistant golf pro in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so, yeah, it, that's all, golf and hockey were a big part of our lives. You know, uh, hockey in the winter and golf in the summer. I think golf is another great sport that teaches young men and young women manners, take your hats off yeah. inside, learn how to shake hands, look people in the eye, be a good companion. Uh, and both my boys are just and when people come up to you, other members at your golf course, and say, what a fine young gentleman he is. Well, there's nothing better you can hear as a parent when other people come up to you, you know, unsolicited and say things like that. So, yeah, it's been a great sport. I love to play. I haven't got out as much lately, kind of taking care of mom and dad the last couple of years. Don't really belong to a place, mm-hmm. so just get out when I can. But I, um, I definitely have the itch again. I love to play. And um, it's just, like I said, some of my best moments have been on a golf course. And you say your your one son is trying to make it on, on what it would be, like lower than the Corn Ferry Tour, tour to start, or where is well, he at? Yeah, yeah that's Right, that's where you start. He's in Florida. He'll start signing up for mini tour events. He'll do the Monday qualifiers, you know, for PGA tour events and Corn Ferry attempts and, and Corn Ferry, you know, the Monday qualifiers. And he he'll, he he didn't feel like he was quite ready yet for mm-hmm. Corn Ferry qualifying schools. He's going to give himself a year and maybe try that next year as he played college golf in Pennsylvania, grew up in Connecticut in the Northeast, so he never really has had a chance to play too much 12-month-a-year golf. It's always been with a few months off in between, but he's a good player. He's got all the intangibles. We'll just see if he has the tangibles, but I believe in all his intangibles. So I think that's yeah, worth a shot. Let's give it a shot. It's a long shot. It's a lottery ticket, but it's uh, I think it meet some great people along the way. Go for it while you can as a young person at a young age and, and give it a shot. Always say you gave it a shot and there'd be good stuff that happens on that try and on that journey. So he's always been a little tough, brave kid since he was four or five years old. Loved to play with the big boys really competed hard and uh it's always been a joy to watch his competitiveness and smarts it's really um my favorite things in athletes are Mm -hmm. competitiveness and smarts and uh, it's just fun to see that on display especially when it's one of your kids john butchergrass nhl on espn is our guest on the kevin carey show on sports 1440 um you know when i was kind of looking at the golf thing with you and i I came across a thing on youtube last night when i knew we were going to have you on and uh, the headline is Butchergrass's monster drive at holy cross hockey golf outing (laughs) 
I remember that one. Yeah, that was the par four. I put it on the green. Uh, again, those were, those were that was a few years ago. I'm not quite as long off the tee. But uh, but I was lucky enough also to get a hole in one in a par four one time. Similar what? hole to that one was. It, it wasn't televised, but yeah, I was playing golf at Newport Country Club in Rhode Island. That was the the site of Tiger Woods' second of three straight U.S. amateurs. Uh, Tiger won three in a row. TPC Sawgrass, Newport Country Club, then out in Pumpkin Ridge, I think, was his third in a row. And this was at Newport. I was playing an event, and it was a you know a drivable par four, you know, three hundred yards, just like that one was on that video you saw. And just happened to rip it really good and just happened to roll up and go in the hole. So I can say anytime I get a chance with my job to interview Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus or some of these famous golfers, it's always my last question. Hey, by the way, you ever get a hole one in the par four? <laughs> I never say that I do. I just ask them. But the people who know I did know what I'm doing when I ask them that. <laughs> there, there's a little twinkle in the eye when you're asking the little question. Twinkle. Yeah, just a little twinkle. I try, I try to keep the humility in there, but uh, there is a little twinkle saying, oh, okay. Oh man, have you been able to interview some like you know real high high profile uh, golfers in a in a like a one on one setting like that? Yeah, a little you know a couple of corporate events, Tom Watson, things like that. Then also for a while there, when I was doing Sports Center in the states, uh, when the the golfer would win the Sunday PGA Tour event, um, we get the chance to you know obviously it'd be a satellite, but we would talk to them one on one, and uh, so that was kind of fun to get those opportunities to talk to some of those PGA Tour winners that year. Webb Simpson had won the Players and Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth, and funny, I was asking them that same question. I would end the interview with, "Hey, do you ever get a hole on the par four? And they all said no. And this kind of shows you how smart. Jordan Spieth really is, and what we talked about. I like to see competitiveness and smarts. And he's not the most talented guy, but he's competitive and he's smart. And uh, compared to the other golfers, and I asked him, "Hey, did you ever go to hole one in the par four? And he said, "No." Why have you? Like he knew why I was asking. Like how smart is that? The other guys were like, "No, I haven't." Ah, it's tough. Too bad, Dustin. Thanks for joining us. But Jordan Spieth actually knew. Figured he's probably asking that because he has one, and he was right. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's cool. Uh, I, I was really lucky about 15 years ago. Arnold Palmer and uh, came up here, and I got to play a hole with Arnold Palmer and Peter Jacobson, for Very that matter. Nice. So that was a memory for me. But uh, uh, hey, thanks for your time, John. Really appreciate it. I know you got to get to the morning skates and things like that. And uh, I think, as you mentioned, everyone wants to know who's playing goal for the uh, Oilers tonight against the Flyers. So we'll see what happens in the gotta next be. little bit. It's got to be Campbell, right? This is your guy, five and a half million, five years. Everything went terrible last year, worst year of his career. He gives you that great effort in Nashville. You got to go back to him tonight, right? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, a lot of people that were talking about it yesterday were were thinking that it's a kind of a a, a communicated move by Jay Woodcroft for the first four games, and then we'll take it from there. Change it. Change of plan. Change of plan. <laughs> yeah, no, we in Canada, all we do is analytics. Don't you know about the Blue Jays? <laughs> hey, thanks, John. Oh, well, Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks sorry. so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, John. Appreciate your time. Uh, that's John Butchercross, NHL on ESPN, and our puck report uh, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Uh, doesn't really matter if there's snow on the ground yet. Once the weather hits seven degrees for seven days, it's a good time to get your tires changed over at Fountain Tire. Uh, that's going to be an, a fun game for John to call tonight. Uh, A.J. Molesco will be doing the color commentary uh, for the game tonight on ESPN. Of course, here we will uh, catch it all on uh, Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, before we check in with uh, Mark Spector and On The Mark for Booster Juice at the top of the hour, time now for a sports update brought to you by First Round. Wear an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location. You can get 50% off wings. Here's the Duke, Brandon Douglas. 